Welcome to this episode of the Pastor's Soapbox. I'm your host for today, Eric Dodson. I have the privilege of serving as the pastor of Grace Community Baptist Church in Elgin, Texas, and I'm always thankful to be with you, thankful for when Seymour lets me up on the box. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a important topic. Um, I'm calling the title of this episode, Plagiarism, Outsourcing, and the Devaluation of the Sermon. Now, no doubt you have likely heard of the so-called Sermon Gate controversy, where the president of the Southern Baptist Convention was caught plagiarizing multiple times. And also, as people have continued to kind of peel back the layers on this controversy, we've learned that really many pastors have sort of made a cottage industry out of outsourcing their sermon prep, getting others to do their research for them. And that's really led to a whole host of problems. I have neither the time nor inclination to specifically deal with those men or the specifics of their situations or their uh, sinful actions. Instead, I want to deal today on this episode with really the undercurrent, the root that produces this kind of fruit. Why is it that pastors are plagiarizing? Why is it that they are having others do their sermon prep work for them instead of being in that uh, labor themselves, committing themselves to that labor. Well, I would submit to you that this is flowing out of a failure to understand and appreciate by both pastors and laymen the vital importance of preaching and teaching in the life of the church. I would submit to you that preaching and teaching is an essential means. It's not the only means, but it's one essential means by which God has chosen for the building and building up of his church. Now I want to make this point to you today, of course, from scripture. And so I'd encourage you if you don't already have a Bible handy, and if you're not driving around, you can uh, flip through your Bible while we go through this to, to follow along with me in your copy of God's word and go to these scriptures for yourself. I'm going to read a few of them. I'm going to mention several more, but I want to show you from scripture, the importance that God places on preaching and teaching for the building and building up of his church. And it starts in a passage we're probably all familiar with, Romans chapter 10. I'm going to start reading in verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes upon him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? Friends, we as a church are committed to the preaching and proclamation of the gospel because it is that gospel that saves and transforms lives. The preaching does not save. God saves people, but preaching is the divinely ordained means by which people hear the gospel by which they come to saving faith. Do you see that? We don't want to get those out of order. It's not the preaching that saves someone. It's the gospel that saves them. Believing in the gospel, believing in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, but they will not believe in what they have not heard and they will not hear unless there are preachers. Preaching is a divinely ordained means by which God builds his church, brings people to saving faith. It's also a God-ordained means by which he 
builds up his church. We see this in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. Preaching is what results from that. Even preaching in tongues. The preaching and the proclamation of the gospel and of God's word is what flows out of the disciples first receiving the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, where we're told to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we see that it leads to speaking and to corporate worship or to preaching and to corporate worship. The same is true of the corresponding passage in Colossians chapter 3, where we're told to let the word of Christ dwell richly in us. That leads to teaching and admonishing one another. Again, friends, these passages show us the importance that God puts on the preaching of his words. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul lays out his philosophy of ministry and he says, him we proclaim, meaning Christ, him we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his working, which he works in me in power. Do you see that, friends? Paul's philosophy of ministry, that which produces maturity in believers, is preaching. Preaching is the divine ordained means for maturing the saints. And this leads Paul to labor, to earnest labor, knowing that it is God working through him. Do you see that, friends? It doesn't lead Paul to outsourcing. It leads Paul to labor, knowing that it is God working through him. In Titus 1, where we have the qualifications for elders listed out, we have the distinguishing mark for elders as opposed to deacons, being that they are faithful to the word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that, Titus 1.9, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to reprove those who contradict. Essential to being an elder, to being a leader in the church, is being faithful to the word so that we can both exhort in sound doctrine and reprove those who contradict. This, friends, honors the sufficiency of God's word. Over the last two episodes, I've spoken with you much about the sufficiency of God's word. We've gone to Psalm 19 and 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 and 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 which teaches us that through the knowledge of him we have all that we need for life and godliness. We understand that God's word is sufficient. And when we commit ourselves as leaders in the church, and when we commit ourselves as laymen in the church to praying for our leaders and really demanding of them the faithful preaching of the word, we honor the fact that God's word is sufficient. And since we're talking about 2 Peter chapter 1, let me read to you one more verse from 2 Peter chapter 1 that I think really drives this point home. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19, there Peter says, And we have a more sure, and we have as more sure the prophetic word to which we do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, it's important to know it in context. What Peter is talking about there is he's talking about his own experience with the transfiguration. He's speaking in verses 16, 17, and 18 about how he's not following cleverly devised tales, but he has actually seen 
the glory of Christ on the holy mountain. He is speaking there of his experience with uh, James and John being called up to the mountain with the Lord and seeing his glory, which Mark describes that he became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth could wash his garments. I mean, it's an amazing, glorious scene that Peter experienced. And he's talking about that experience. And then flowing out of that context, he says, and we have a more and we have as more sure the prophetic word the word of god which he's going to go on in verses 20 and 21 to say that it it doesn't come by the way of man but it is come by the spirit by men being moved by the holy spirit of god that is more sure even than his own experience look listen pastor if you are preaching your own experience you are doing a foolish thing You see, Peter here is talking about his greatest experience, the experience of the greatest miracle any of us could possibly imagine other than our own salvation and the resurrection of our Lord himself. He's speaking about his own personal experience of the transfiguration, and he says the word of God is more sure than even his memories of that experience, even more sure than the experience he could mention is the prophetic word where men were moved by the Holy Spirit to record what the word of God is. Pastor, don't preach your experiences. Preach the word of God. This is what the church needs today. It needs men who will not outsource their work, men who will not rely on sermon teams to do their work, but men who will rely on the Spirit of God to do the work of God has called them to, of preaching and teaching to the saints so that the church may be built and built up in the Word of God. Now, there is an important caveat there that I just mentioned briefly, but I want to hit on importantly. This must be done with reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not doing this in and of ourselves. In fact, I think one of the reasons that men have gone to outsourcing is because they have realized they cannot do this in and of themselves. But instead of going to the Spirit, they're going to other men to help them and to do the work for them. No, Pastor. Be in reliance on the Holy Spirit. We must be. Del Ralph Davis, in his book, The Word Made, uh, Word Made Fresh, says, We are guilty of arrogance, not merely neglect, when we fail to beg for the Spirit's help in the study of Scripture. Absolutely, Pastor. We need to study the Word of God with firm reliance on the Spirit of God to guide us in our study. But, friend, we must be committed to preaching and teaching the Word of God. This is one, again, one of the essential means by which God builds and builds up His church. As we get ready to close this episode, I just want to read one more quote, and I'm going to read this from Charles Spurgeon. It's a rather lengthy quote, so I'll ask you to to bear with me here, but I think it speaks well to what we're talking about. Spurgeon says, Sermons should have real teaching in them. And their doctrine should be solid, substantial, and abundant. We do not enter the pulpit to talk for talk's sake. We have instructions to convey important to the last degree, and we cannot afford to utter the petty nothings. Our range of subjects is all but boundless, and we cannot therefore be excused if our discourses are threadbare and devoid of substance. If we speak as ambassadors for God, we need never complain or want of want of matter, for our message is full to overflowing. 
The entire gospel must be presented from the pulpit. The whole faith once delivered to the saints must be proclaimed by us. The truth as as it is in Jesus must be instructively declared so that the people may not hearly, merely hear but know the joyful sound. We serve not at the altar of the unknown God, but we speak to the worshipers of him of whom it is written that they may know thy name and put their trust in thee. Pastor, let me encourage you, if you are falling into this habit, as some have done, of devaluing the sermon so much so that you're willing to outsource your work or even just steal the work of others, let me beg of you to repent and to remember what the Lord has called you to do and to remember the importance of the preaching and teaching in the life of the church. As we've seen through the many scriptures that we've looked at today, it is clear You could say it this way, God does not whisper about the importance of preaching and teaching by qualified men in the church. So pastor, let me encourage you, get your hand to the plow. Be like Ezra in Ezra chapter seven, verse 10, where he set his heart to know the word of God, to do what the word of God said, and then to teach the word of God to God's people. Serve your people by teaching them well, sir. And if you're a layman in the church and listening to this podcast, let me encourage you, let me beg you, in fact, to pray for your pastors and elders. Pray for them that they would be faithful in their study. Pray for them that the Spirit would empower their study. Pray for them that they would speak the word with clarity and with boldness when they ascend to that sacred desk, when they ascend to the pulpit to deliver the word of God. And then value their teaching and show them the double honor that we are called to give to those who labor at preaching and teaching. Friend, if you will show your pastor how much you value the teaching of the word of God, it will be an encouragement to him that will encourage him to see and to know that God is working, not because he teaches, but through his teaching, God is working to do what God promised to accomplish through the faithful proclamation of the word, the building and building up of his church. Let us all commit today to praying for our pastors, valuing their teaching, and showing those who work hard at preaching and teaching double honor as scripture calls us to. Uh, friends, I hope this sir, this episode has been Um, an encouragement to you today. Again, I'm not looking to really get into the the nitpicking and the the backbiting and all the things that come along with the, the current controversies of the day, but rather to encourage the church that the word of God is valuable and that he has ordained his word and the teaching of his word to be central in the local church. And so we should value it as such. And if we do, if pastors and laymen alike will value the word of God because God says we should, value the teaching of the word of God because God says we should, then we'll skip all this nonsense of plagiarism and outsourcing and all those things. This has been the Pastor Soapbox. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.